It's Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk with Brian Priest and McCade Pearson. Today, with All-Star Reserves being announced on Tuesday, McCade and I look through our All-Star benches as we decide whether team success or stats are more indicative of deserving an All-Star appearance. With any 2021 NBA All-Star conversation, we look at the number one team in the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz, and discuss who should join Quinn Snyder and the Jazz coaching staff in Atlanta. But first, we talk about a raging dumpster fire, the Minnesota Timberwolves, after they fire head coach Ryan Saunders. Stay tuned as all that and more is coming up next on Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk. Take a quick look at Spider. Since so wait, yeah, I've been a rider. Utah Jazz keep getting higher. Damn, all I can say now is whoa. Royce with the D, Royce with the O. One thing Jazz Nation got to know. Welcome into Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk. This is your host, Brian Priest, joined, as always, by McCade Pearson. McCade, we are going to be talking all-stars today. You got your lists prepped? Uh, I'm still thinking about something. Um, I have my mental list, and I have some notes, but uh, I don't even know what I'll be saying in about half an hour or so. Well, that's even more exciting. So on today's show, we're going to start with our news and notes like we normally do, and then we're going to have an extensive all-star conversation. We'll look at the all-star starters. In my mind, there's really only one, maybe two question marks with the starters, but most of this conversational focus is going to be on the bench, where in the West, it's pretty clear-cut. You're probably choosing seven players from a group of 10 or 11 guys. But in the Eastern Conference, you're choosing seven players from a group of 20, maybe more. It's the Eastern Conference, while they're, the teams aren't, aren't very good at all, they're just terrible in the Eastern Conference. Individual players, they've, they've got some pretty good seasons going on over there. But they all have weaknesses. So you kind of have James Harden, and then and I like Jalen Brown. After that, you're just filling out five random spots. So we'll get into that later. Um, but should we start some fun news and notes around the league? We got our first coaches fired. Did you have Ryan Saunders on your first coach fired list in Vegas? If you did, go cash that chip, chip in, baby. The Wolves are apparently finalizing a deal with the Raptors assistant coach Chris Finch. This is a guy I haven't heard of, but Finch is supposed to be an offensive mastermind. But really, McCade, with this conversation, I want to focus on Minnesota. And my opinion here is, I want to get your thoughts on it. I feel like Ryan Saunders was more or less set up to fail with that Minnesota situation. You know, Gerson Rosas coming in there as the GM in the summer of 2019, I believe it was. And, you know, we can even go back five or six years with the Timberwolves franchise. They're just a dumpster fire. They haven't made a lot of good decisions. Drafting Carl Anthony Towns, number one, obviously was a great decision. But since then, what have they done that's worked out for them? They, they combined Cat and D'Lo last year, trading Andrew Wiggins for that D'Angelo, Ro, or D'Angelo Russell contract. And uh, to say that's – you can't even call it a failure. There's no grade to be given on that one because those two guys have only played five games together in about a year and a half. So what do you do there? Cat's missed a bunch of time due to COVID. He's had some injury issues. As soon as he came back, Russell goes out. And on top of the – the D'Angelo Russell thing, they they give up some great draft picks. They end up giving up what became the number two draft pick and another pick to the Warriors this year that's top three protected. So they're bad enough. It's possible they keep that pick, but it, they, it's still going to transfer to Golden State at some point. 
If you're a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, you got to kind of commiserate with Kevin Garnett and his stance that basically Glenn Taylor is a piece of garbage as an owner. Yeah, so you're far from uh, Ryan Tanders being the issue there, but he wasn't the solution. So I get you want to make a move, basically just to make a move. But they have some underlying issues they got to figure out if Chris Finch is going to have a different fate than Ryan Saunders. And also, I want to point out Ryan Smith is not the owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And we're very grateful for that here in Utah. It's just a frustrating situation because you do see some talent up there in Minnesota, but there's been there's just been no development. They've missed the playoffs, I think, 15 out of the last 16 seasons. The only year they made the playoffs was when Jimmy Butler was in town. And that makes me wonder if it's, again, it points back to the Glenn Taylor and it being possibly an institutional issue where Jimmy Butler comes in and says, hey, I know how to win and this is how we're going to do it. Maybe that his approach wasn't perfect, but Jimmy Butler does know how to win. We saw what he did after being traded to Philadelphia. They were within about six bounces of the conference finals, and then he makes the NBA finals with the Heat last season. So maybe Jimmy Butler had a point about this Minnesota situation. Yeah, Minnesota's been in the league now for a little over 30 years, and they have won a playoff series in one season. They have won two playoff series in their franchise history, and it came in the same season where they made the conference finals with KG. And so they got stuff to figure out. Should we move on and talk a little bit about DeMarcus Cousins? I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. He is likely going to be bought out um, and makes him – so he'll be on waivers, and I would not be surprised if a team claims that contract because it's just a minimum deal anyway. But if nobody mm-hmm. does, then he'll be a free agent to go wherever he wants. And just to see if he ends up somewhere or not. Yeah, I was wondering about a contract situation, and I hadn't had a chance to look into what it is. But with it being a minimum deal, it wouldn't surprise me to see a couple of teams claim him, if for no other reason than the hope of, well, maybe if I claim this contract, I can look to move it and get a second-round pick or something in return. Sounded two days ago like it was a foregone conclusion, and now they've kind of walked that back a little bit. So I wonder if the Rockets are looking for a deal or if they're anticipating that another team might try that tactic. So they're... You know, reassessing the situation, but yeah. Boogie's been okay this year. He's averaged 9.6 points, 7.6 rebounds, and 2.4 assists in 25 games played. That 25, without looking at the numbers, that might be the most he's played in the season in the last, what, four years? Yeah, he's dealt with some injuries, obviously, and so we'll see. The, so they said they guaranteed his contract, but contracts don't have to be guaranteed till Wednesday, and so I don't know if they actually went through the formality of guaranteeing it, but we'll keep an eye on that, see where he ends up. Marcus Smart, still injured. He's supposed to be out for the rest of the first half of the season and be out another two, three weeks. So Celtics are struggling lately. Yeah, the Celtics have been a a very surprising team for me with how bad that they've played. Not that they've played so bad. They've just been very disjointed. They don't act like a group that's played together for several seasons. You know, the top half of that roster has spent a lot of time together between Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I just don't understand why the Celtics have been so bad. They're 5-7 and seven right now without Smart, and he's expected to miss another seven games. They haven't won back-to-back games since Marcus Smart went out with that injury. And right now the Celtics are a 500 team. They're fourth in the Atlantic Division, sixth in the Eastern Conference. And, and yeah, like you said, to your point, McCade, they're just kind of floundering right now. What's the issue in Boston? Do you know? Can you put your finger on it? No, I'm not sure what it is. And the weird thing with the East is everyone from like four to fourteen basically tied. So you expect them to go to the top by the end of the season. Uh, every game that's played is a closer, is a game closer to the end of the season where they're not going to the top. So hopefully they get smart back relatively quickly and they have a big second half and get things right there. But 
they have struggled and lost some games they shouldn't have. Blown some big leads. They were up twenty four yesterday um, in New Orleans and lost that game in overtime. And so something's wrong there. We'll see what happens. But yeah, rough patch for the Celtics. All right, McKay, should we take a break and then come back and talk All Stars? Let's do it. If you haven't had a chance, check out the Jazz Pod Co-op on Twitter. It's a group of podcasts with like-minded people that just want to share their opinions on the jazz. Here's a preview. Mark and Doug Hintzy on the twos and threes. The weird things about dude shots is like my favorite like NBA subcategory of and like or they're like the length of their arms affecting something. I, I'm, I'm like whether they jump off of one foot or two foot. Right. Like, Emily and McCoy on the Jazza Gals. If anything, that video also reminded me like how just a few inches difference it was between us being on one side versus the other. You know, like, well, we all know a few inches can make a difference. Who, Logan, and Jared on hitting the high notes? I don't even care if they're hurt. I mean, or they're, we're or not going to dance on any injuries, but yes. No, I, 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 same. I, I, same. I, I can't <laughs> make any promises. But I don't even care if it's a fluke or we cheat. I don't even care. I'll take yeah. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? Uh, That's yeah. what they say. And Brian and McCade on home court press. Boyan, Memphis is really struggling to shoot. So giving the Boyan to the Grizzlies and then having the Grizzlies forward our first-round pick onto another team, if you can get Boyan a first-round pick and then get Memphis to throw in a first-round pick in the and take Boyan, a lot of possibilities open for a guy like John Collins. And welcome back to Home Court Press. We just got done with our news and notes section of the pod. Now we want to start diving into the All-Star selection. So as we record this, McCade, it is Monday afternoon, February 22nd. The All-Star reserves are scheduled to be announced on TNT Tuesday night, February 23rd. Is that right? Yep. Uh, coaches' votes are due tonight, um, so probably last night by the time you listen to this. You know, games on Monday night, I'm sure, aren't going to have that big of an impact on coaches' votes because they'll be managing their own games and that kind of stuff. So we're pretty much locked in where we're at here on Monday afternoon, and we'll find out on Tuesday night who exactly made it. So before we start looking at the exact players, I wanted to ask you, McCade, what's your criteria for a player being an All-Star? Are, are you focused on stats, team record? Are you looking at individual talent and numbers? Is it a combination of things? Like, what do you use to determine your all-stars each season. I don't think team success is important, as we like to say, when it comes to top players. I think a lot of players in the 15 to 30 range, even lower than that in the NBA, are not as impactful on winning as we might think. So, for example, Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, Devin Booker, all those kind of guys are very similar. And so it doesn't necessarily matter to me that the Jazz are the one seed and the Bulls can't win anything because, you know, Donovan Mitchell has Rudy Gobert and Zach Levine has nothing. So team success is important. But I don't just look at a record and say, okay, they're one seed, they deserve four all-stars, they're two seed, they deserve three all-stars, they're three seed, they deserve one all-star, yada, yada, yada. Um, as much as just how good are these players playing, uh, this season we're not getting as big of a sample size before the all-star game. We're only 30 games in out of 72 instead of the normal 50 out of 82. So smaller sample size, um, I'm going to try not let injuries dictate too much because, okay, Jimmy Butler missed like 10 games. Is he not an all-star? No, he's been awesome this year. So, Things like that, um, if it is kind of a fluky thing, like C.J. McCollum's only played 12 games, but we haven't seen him be an all-star in the past, so I'm not going to put him in. There's just, it's a weird year, obviously, with the timing. And then, like, I just want to see the 24 best players in the NBA play in a game. So see, that's kind of my ramble right there of <laughs> what am I looking for. No, I mean, that's kind of what the all-star selection process is, is it's just a, a rambling collection of ideas and thoughts 
and numbers and records that each individual that that has a vote for these things gets to choose how they want to put those pieces together to figure out who deserves to be an all-star. For me, I focus on, I look at the all-star game as, first of all, I just don't care about the all-star game. I couldn't tell you the last time I sat down and watched an NBA all-star game because I just don't think it's very good basketball. But it's an exhibition that is designed for the fans. It's for the fans to see the most exciting players in the league. It's for the fans to see some of the younger players in the league. It's for fans to see guys that they don't necessarily get an opportunity to watch 72 times this season or 82 games in a normal season. So there's a whole variety of things that go into it. For me, I look at... The numbers, first of all, you, you kind of have to do a, a black and white box score numbers with the All-Star, and you can do some of the advanced stats as well. And then past the, those numbers, I look at just who do people like to watch? You know, if, if there's a question between Kyrie Irving or Goran Dragic is the first name that comes to mind. Well, I'm going to give the nod to Kyrie. Even if their numbers are the same, I'm probably going to give the nod to Kyrie just because fans want to see Kyrie more. He's a more exciting player. His skill level is higher than a guy like Goran Dragic. And then I use team success as kind of a tiebreaker. When there's two guys that I think are really close, we're at at the last spot on the roster, who deserves to be in, I use that team success. But with that being said, should we just jump into the Eastern Conference? Yeah, let's go East first. Okay, so we'll, we'll go with the starters. Do you, are there any starters that you disagree with? We've got Kevin Durant, Giannis, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, so the gap between KD, Giannis, and Embiid and the fourth frontcourt player in the East is massive. So those three are like by far running away, the right yes. three. The backcourt, you can question things. You know, Bill hasn't done a lot of winning and isn't really impacting his team that much. He's just scoring a ton. Uh, Kyrie had some issues where he stepped away from the game for a week. Jalen Brown, obviously, we just talked about Celtics are struggling. So there's all these different kind of groups. Beal and Kyrie are fine, whatever. Um, you know, that one was a little bit closer than might have been expected. Yeah, I'm I'm really fine with all five of these Eastern Conference starters. I might want Jalen Brown in the starting lineup over Kyrie Irving because of missed games. And just I've got a bias against Kyrie. I feel like he'd be miserable to play with. He would not be fun in a locker room. He's just not a guy that I think I would enjoy. So... I'd rather Jalen Brown be starting the All-Star game. Kyrie still makes the team, though. He obviously deserves it based on his numbers. He's been great. More or less, we agree with the Eastern Conference starters. And so now we start looking at the reserves. And the stipulations are with the reserves. Basically, you need to select two guards, three front court players because the NBA got rid of the center position, and then two wild cards that can play any position. So I'll give you my three locks. You tell me if you disagree with any of these, and we can just push them to the side. James Harden, 100% in, right? Yes, as much as I hate James Harden, he's got to be in. There's questions with Jason Tatum. I think he's still got to be 100% in, despite the minor issues he's had. I think he's very clearly an all-star, very clearly not a starter. You know what? I, I've got Tatum in my list, but I didn't have him down as a lock. I think he's played well. He missed, what, six, seven, eight, nine games this year. He, his numbers have been good, but I I looked at the efficiency. I would almost have Jalen Brown as more of a lock in the Eastern Conference over Jason Jaylen Tatum Brown because going to be my third lock. By the way, Brown so is significantly more efficient. So yeah, it sounds like we're we're kind of on a similar page there. Okay, those are my three like lock locks. Do you have anyone else you think like a lock lock in the East? Did you say Zach Levine as a lock? No, but he would probably be my first guy outside of being a lock. Uh, Zach Levine's been terrific this year. Levine has been amazing this season. You know, defense has always been the knock on Zach Levine, and 
you could say it's been a little bit better this year, but when you look at the raw numbers with this guy, he's averaging 28.9 points, 5.4 rebounds, 5 assists a game. He's shooting very efficient from the field. His effective field goal percentage is 60.7, 51.8% from the field, almost 43% from the three-point line. I mean, Zach Levine, when you watch the Chicago Bulls play, Zach Levine is the only reason the Bulls are even in games this season. Yeah, he's been terrific. He's probably going to be the first guy to break into the top 10 single-season scoring um, record for the Bulls outside of Michael Jordan, who holds, like, I think, the top 11 right now. And Zach Levine's probably going to break into that 10th spot. So 29 points per game. He's been terrific this year. He's made a huge jump, as you mentioned, efficiency-wise. I have him, as said, not a lock. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he missed it, but he would be the guy I vote for at number nine. I really like Zach Levine. So so let's see. We've got, as far as locks in the East, we've got James Harden, Jalen Brown. I've got Zach Levine. Who was your third? And then I had Tatum, who I think okay. does have concerns. He's not looked great after coming back from COVID, but it was awesome before COVID. And he, he's in, but I do get the questions and concerns, but I just don't see me finding four or five guys to put in over him. So I have yeah. him. Those are my six, seven, eight, nine. And then we can talk about 10, 11, and 12. Yeah, 10, 11, 12 is where it really starts to get interesting in the Eastern Conference. For my 10th guy, this is somebody that you love, McCade. I've got Julius Randle as a near lock on this team. Between his numbers, I, he's he's playing great on a, a decent basketball team. And it sounds weird to call the Knicks a decent team, but 23 points a game, 11 rebounds, 5.5 assists. He's got the ball in his hands consistently in that Knicks offense. His defense hasn't been as bad as it used to be. And he's playing in New York. I don't see a way in which Julius Randle misses the All-Star game with those factors. I I do have Julius Randle, and it's probably my... No, I lied. I don't have Julius Randle, and I forgot about somebody. You, oh, wait. You I are the biggest Julius Randle stan on Twitter. I know. I love <laughs> Julius Randle, but there are a couple other guys... Um, who I'd probably put in the 10th spot is Chris Middleton. Has just been fantastic this year on a Bucks team that's been super awkward because they have a giant and great net rating, but they've lost a lot of close games and now their record's not as pretty as it should be. But Chris Middleton's putting up like 25 points on 90-50-40 shooting. He just hasn't missed a shot all year. And I just don't see how you leave him off. I would even, I'm actually going to put him as a lock. I'd be so really shocked if Middleton didn't make it. Um, he's at 21 points on 50-43-90. So just terrific stuff from there. Rebounds the ball well, assists well, you know, 6-6 six, six there. So, fantastic stuff. I, Chris Middleton's in for me, no questions asked. Yeah, I like Chris Middleton. I am not as in love with him as you are. And I don't know, I, I, you look at the numbers, the counting stats, absolutely. Chris Middleton's been terrific this year. But with the eye test, when you watch the Milwaukee Bucks, they just haven't been as good this season. And I don't know if, if you can really attribute that to Chris Middleton, but... In terms of my all-star vote, I'm going to. I'm going to say the Bucks haven't been good enough this season to deserve two all-stars. They've got a starter in Giannis, and he is a terrific player in this league. Middleton is right there on the cusp. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you about whether or not he deserves to be an all-star. But I don't have him on my list just because, again, it goes back to that team success tiebreaker type of a thing. And I just didn't feel like Chris Middleton deserved it over a guy like Julius Randle and the, the numbers that he's been able to put up this season. And what he's doing is the primary option for a Knicks team that, for the better part of the entire 21st century, has been awful. Yeah, I just can't quite get there. Who are your last two? 
Okay, my last two. Wild cards. Now, now these are kind of interesting. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna begin with the last guy that I have in. Uh, I went through. I did the basketball reference player comparison, and I was looking at all the numbers. I was looking at the box score stats. I was looking at the advanced stats. I went with Demonis Sabonis of the Pacers over Bam Adebayo. I've got Adebayo missing the All Star game, and Sabonis is one of my wild cards. I, I look at his numbers this year. He's he's been pretty efficient this season. Twenty one and a half points, eleven and a half rebounds. Almost six assists. He's got a 56% effective field goal percentage. Like The guy's just playing really well, but the Pacers are the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, and I think they have to have some type of an all-star, right? So really, it's Sabonis or Miles Turner for me, and I don't like Miles Turner. I just... I, I I think he is less impactful than the you know, block numbers say he is. Yeah, the Pacers have, between Simmons, Turner, and Brogdon, they have three guys who are all borderline all-stars, and I have all three outside looking in. So bonus has been awesome. I just can't quite get there. And I'm actually interested in somebody, another center from a worse team, and maybe that's a good debate we can have there. But I just can't quite get there on Sabonis. Um, Pacers have kind of fallen off over the last few weeks with some injuries. Um, the East is a mess records-wise, so I don't know if I mm-hmm. use team success as much of an argument for anybody or against anybody, just because, as I said, like four through four teams all separated by like what I swear is like half a game or a game. So I can't get there with Sabonis. My last two, so I have Middleton, and then I have um, Jimmy Butler has to be in for me. I get he's only played 18 games, but the Heat are 12 points better when he's on the court than when he's not, and he's averaging 28 and 8, where he's just been a stud. And you just talked about how important he was to Minnesota and how he just is a winner. And he's doing that this year. And I don't want to get to the end of the season or 10 years down the line and be like, why wasn't Jimmy Butler an all-star in 2021? Oh, wait, he missed 10 games at the beginning of the season. We only had 30 games before he announced all-stars. So, you know, assuming he plays the rest of the season, he'll play enough games to theoretically be an all-star. So I don't want to let a minor injury for Jimmy Butler keep him out. McCade, I got to tell you, if 10 years from now you are sitting at home wondering why Jimmy Butler wasn't an all-star in 2021, we might need to seek some help for <laughs> things other than the all-star selection process. Man, you must not know me at all, then. <laughs> no, uh, I, so I got to put Butler in. No, that, that's that's not a bad pick. I do. I really like Jimmy Butler, and 12 games over the course of a season is not very much. 12 games over amount of games we're going to have in in this first half is a lot. He's missed a third of the the season. So for me, I can't put Jimmy Butler in just because he's missed a third of the games. Otherwise, his performance on the court has been all-star deserving. I've got Ben Simmons in there. Uh, I'm not a Sixers fan. I don't like Ben Simmons. I'm probably going to get some hate from a lot of the Jazz fans that listen to the podcast, McCade. But I think Ben Simmons has been terrific. You look at his counting numbers, and obviously he's not the perfect type of player. But defensively, he is he's a top three defensive player in the league. He gives you an incredible amount of versatility with his ball handling and playmaking and defense, he, in spite of not being able to shoot. And I think Ben Simmons in an all-star game, a guy that size that can pass the ball the way he can, that's a lot of fun. So give me Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler, but it's that one's pretty close for me. So I really do like Simmons. It's funny. I have Ben Simmons and Julius Randle off my team, which is crazy because, you know, how much I love those two players. Um, I'm going to go with Nikola Vucevic here in my final spot. <laughs> that doesn't um, surprise me at all. <laughs> he's been terrific. He's shooting 40% from downtown. He's averaging 24 and 10, I believe. 
um, couple assists. He's had a couple monster triple doubles, a couple monster scoring games, and he's just playing with absolutely nobody down in Orlando except for Evan Fournier, who's been in and out of the lineup. But you know they lost CJ Augustin. They've had injuries with Aminu and how many ACLs are torn on that team? I don't even know anymore. Um, so you know, a guy averaging twenty four, twelve and four, and being the only NBA player keeping a team semi up. Well, they had a good start. They were like six and two, I think, and now they've really struggled. But Vucevic deserves to get back in for a second time. You know, your argument about the numbers that Vucevic is putting up without any help in Orlando is exactly my argument about why he doesn't deserve to be an all-star. Just because it's the NBA and there's still 48 minutes and there's still 100 possessions per night and somebody's going to put up numbers and the Magic have nobody else to do it. So Vucevic scoring 40 points here and there, averaging 24 points a game is great. But I think those numbers are a little inflated because of the lack of talent around him. That's fair. Somebody does have to shoot in Orlando. Um, so just very quickly, I had Harden and Brown, um, Tatum, Middleton, and Vucevic, and then Levine and Butler is my wild card if you want to technically go by position. So Harden, Brown, Levine, Tatum, Middleton, Butler, and Vucevic. Who would you have again? And I had Harden, Brown, Levine, Tatum. I got Julius Randle, Ben Simmons, and Amana Sabona. So we disagree on three of them. Yeah, that's fun. That kind of um, surprises we me. We might disagree more in the West, though. So should we jump to the West? Now let's just jump right into the West. But I got to tell you, I'm right. still stunned that you didn't put Julius Randle in. I I thought he might be your first pick. <laughs> I mean, let's be real though. If Julius Randle gets in, I am pulling out all the tweets of people who told me Boyan was better than Julius Randle last year. <laughs> Did you keep the receipts? Oh, I'm sure I can track them down. <laughs> all right, let's move to the Western Conference. The starters in the West, there is one that I disagree with: LeBron, Kawhi, Nikola Jokic, Steph. They all deserve to be starters. They're, they're fantastic basketball players, and I would love to watch them in the All-Star game if it was a game I watched. Luka Doncic has been really, really good this season. But the fact that the Portland Trailblazers, without Yusuf Nurkic, without C.J. McCollum, are 18-11, and 11, I believe it is, after last night's loss, Damian Lillard should be starting this All-Star game. See, Lillard's been great. Luke has been great. I just don't care enough, enough cash enough to care either way about who's starting between those two. So whatever is what it is. I have four locks. James for sure in. Rudy's for sure in. Anthony Davis is for sure in, but he will be replaced with an injury replacement. And then, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Paul George is still in for sure. So that we'll throw Anthony Davis out for the rest of this podcast because I'm just, we're just going to assume he's in and replaced. Is that okay? Yes, that's exactly okay. my plan. Um, so that leaves you four spots, pretty much any position. And there's a big group of probably eight or nine guys fighting for that four spots. So I've got the same same three locks. I've got Damian Lillard, Paul George, and Rudy Gobert as locks. I had Anthony Davis, but didn't include him because of the injury. Next on my list, I and I'm wondering who you have next, I've got Chris Paul down in Phoenix. I think what he's done for that team, bringing leadership into the locker room and the on-court presence – I've honestly been kind of surprised. Devin Booker has taken a little bit of a step back this season, and it's, I think, due in large part to what Chris Paul is doing down there. Do you have somebody above Chris Paul? Um, I don't think so. I think Chris Paul's the next. So here are how, here's how I think it's going to work out tomorrow night. You're going to get Dame and Paul and Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert in, and then you're going to get one Sun, one Jazz, one Pelican. Um, it's your last three, and then the injury replacement will come in a later date. Um, and so that's kind of the way I formatted mine is who's my one son, 
who's my one Jazz, and who's my one Pelican. I think the easiest choice of those three options is choosing Chris Paul over Devin Booker, so I guess theoretically I would have him in my 10th spot that way. Um, Paul's obviously been the glue of that team. It's where they both have the numbers without each other, but they're both struggling with each other. That's getting a lot better, and I'm assuming it'll continue to get better throughout the season as the talent just sometimes take a, takes a minute to click. But just like we've seen Chris Paul do for 15 years, he just controls the game at such a great pace that the Suns win, and life's good, and... The reason the Suns traded for Chris Paul is the reason we're seeing, and Chris Paul's been fantastic, and I think he makes the All Star game. Okay, so if you've got your son named first, who is the the Pelican? Do you have? I assume you're choosing between Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Yeah, Ingram's been fantastic. It depends on how some coaches vote um, with position. They could have to be forced to slide in Ingram as a third third front court player. Um, but I do think it's Zion. Zion's been terrific. He's shooting sixty three percent from the field having over 25 points a game. He's basically putting up some Shaq-like scoring numbers. Um, Rebounding's not quite there. Defense is better than a lot of people think, but also worse than it should be. And so I get the concern that the Pelicans haven't won a ton of games this year, but I think Zion's just too good to leave out. And if he ends up getting left out, I have a good feeling Adam Silver will be choosing Zion as the injury replacement. I'd look at Zion Williamson this way. I... The way the NBA is pushing the Zion narrative with Pelicans nationally televised games, there's a less than zero chance they don't name him as an all-star reserve as an injury replacement for Anthony Davis. They have to push the Zion Williamson narrative because they're doing it during the regular season. Why would you not do it over all-star weekend? Yeah, so I got Zion and I got Chris Paul, and that leaves me one more normal spot and then an injury replacement. Okay, so who do you have in your last normal spot? I, I still don't know. I can't choose. I, Donovan's a scorer. Donovan's a narrative guy. But every number you look at is Mike Conley, except for points per game. They both missed time. The Jazz won without both of them because Rudy Gobert is just amazing. And so I don't know how the voting takes place with the coaches. I think, personally, I would vote for Donovan over Mike Conley um, just for that wow factor, the score, kind of the narrative of he's the face of the franchise. But when you start breaking down into coaches' votes, you know the Grizzlies organization is probably going to throw Mike Conley a bone. Um, the Rockets, I think, throw Mike Conley a bone. I don't think they're that impressed with Donovan from the playoff series. We haven't played Sacramento. Um, I think they might throw Mike Conley a bone if they just hurry up and look at numbers. And all of a sudden, you're at three votes, and it gets kind of weird. Dallas, Donovan Mitchell didn't play against Dallas. Mike Conley dominated Dallas. So maybe all of a sudden, the Mavericks throw Conley a vote. And all of a sudden, you're getting into it being a seven, seven, eight, six, nine, five vote between those two. As I could really see it going either way. Um, yeah, Donovan Mitchell has been fantastic against the East this year, but he hasn't been as great against the West, and so we'll see how much that plays into coaches' votes. And I, I would be really—I won't be surprised either way it goes. I will say, if the Jazz want three All Stars, you probably want Donovan to get in because I think Adam Silver is a lot more likely to take Mike Conley's injury replacement than he is to take Donovan's injury replacement. So I'm going to go with Donovan. But if you have Mike Conley, which I've seen five, six, seven, I've seen a ton of people online and in other podcasts and articles and whatnot choose Mike Conley over Donovan, and I think that's completely fair, and that's nothing against Donovan as a player. Um, but I do think coaches will have a hard time voting for three Jazz players out of seven votes. And so if they have to choose a second, I think it's going to be pretty close to 50-50 for Conley and Mitchell. I want to make the argument for Mike Conley. I think that, yes, the, this spot has to come down to one of the two jazz guards between Mitchell and Conley. And if you're going to take Donovan Mitchell, I'll just go with the other side of the coin. And Mike Conley, you you already said it off of the top that really the only raw stat that Donovan Mitchell is better than Conley in is scoring. He's averaging 24.5 points per game to Conley's 16.5. 
everything else across the board, more or less, Conley is a more effective player this season. He's averaging 5.6 assists, 45% from the field, 41% from three, 56% effective field goal percentage. And more than anything, when we're talking about the Jazz offensively, we've seen all year with Mike Conley on the floor, the Jazz offense is just more efficient. It's it's better run. It's more calm. You know, you you watch the five guys on the floor, and you feel like there's more purpose with the five guys that includes Mike Conley than there is with five guys that includes Donovan Mitchell and not Mike Conley. At least that's from my personal eye test perspective. And then, for me, the kicker, the thing that really puts it over the top is that Mike Conley's in his 13th year in the NBA. He's never made an all-star game. He is widely considered one of the best, if not the best player ever, to not make an all-star team in his career. So if if really everything else is pretty much even, I'm going to give the nod to Mike Conley just because of that career acknowledgement and how successful he's been over the course of 14 years. Donovan Mitchell is going to make plenty of all-star appearances in his career. Honestly, before I finish this this really quick, McCade, I compare this kind of to, I can't remember what season it was. Was it 08, 09, when there was some question about whether it should be Darren Williams or Mehmet Okur should make the All-Star team? And neither had made an All-Star appearance in their careers. Memo ended up getting that nod, and then Darren Williams made it the next season. I preferred Memo getting that nod because how many seasons was Memo really going to be in consideration as an All-Star? How many more years in his career will Mike Conley really be in consideration as an All-Star? That's why I'm going to go Mike Conley here. I think they both deserve it, but barring another need for an injury replacement, I would rather see Mike Conley in the All-Star game playing under Quinn Snyder than Donovan Mitchell this season. And here's the thing. So how the voting works is it's 15 votes from the head coaches. You only vote for your 30 votes, but you only vote for your own conference, and you can't vote for any of your own players. So Quinn can't vote for any for um, any of the Jazz players. Um, and so all of a sudden you're down to just 14 other teams' votes to decide this, and you can get some really fluky statistical things to happen with a sample size of 14. But Mike Conley's been in the Western Conference his entire career, and he's very, very well-respected around the league. And so that's what I think could happen is – you just look inside these coaching staffs. As I mentioned, Rick Carlisle, I think Memphis votes for Mike Conley. You just look around, and all these teams respect Mike Conley so much over mm-hmm. the past two years. I think a lot of them realize he's on the border, and just the psychological, hey, let's get this guy in, could push Conley over the edge as they fill out that last roster spot. So I'm going to go with Donovan Mitchell, but I said on Twitter, and I got some pushback on it, but don't be surprised if Conley gets in and Mitchell gets left out just with the way the votes fall. Um, and then we'll worry about injury replacement in a couple weeks and see if we get both in or not. Um, but yeah, I would love to see Mike Conley make it. <laughs> I think so. It just, I'm very, very excited for tomorrow night. I'll say that. Let's, uh, who would your last spot be then since we kicked out Anthony Davis for this exercise? Uh, my last spot kicking out Anthony Davis. I kept Donovan Mitchell in the consideration for this one, obviously, but I ended up giving the nod to Devin Booker. I, I think that the Suns have overachieved and, what I expected them to be this season. I think they've come together a lot more. And Devin Booker hasn't been quite as good as he was in previous years. But I just, I mean, I'm a jazz fan. I'm the biggest jazz fan there is. But when when you look at everything that a basketball player needs to be, he's better than Donovan Mitchell. He's got more size. He's a better shooter. And he there's just a lot of things to his game that Donovan Mitchell doesn't have. So I'm 
at the risk of upsetting a lot of people on Jazz Twitter, I'm going to put Devin Booker in that final slot for me. Okay, so my last one I think also might surprise some people, but I think he's been really good this year. And Me being an analytical guy, people might think I hate him, but he's just been fantastic. I'm going to put DeMar DeRozan in. The Spurs are in sixth place, which nobody really predicted. All the on-off numbers come with LaMarcus Aldridge being bad, not DeMar DeRozan. He's averaging 20-7, and 62 um, shooting percentage. He gets to the line a crazy amount. He knocks down mid-range shots. He gets to the rim a solid amount. DeMar DeRozan just had a fantastic season. I'm not sure if he gets in. We'll see how it all plays out with the injury replacement and whatnot. But he is a very well-respected veteran, and coaches like to give veterans these spots. So I would not be surprised if coaches gave DeMar DeRozan, Mike Conley, Chris Paul, those guys, the votes over some younger talent. Um, Shea Gilles Alexander deserves it. Darren Fox deserves it. We talked a lot about Donovan. But if these guys do go older votes, I think DeMar DeRozan could get in, and I think he's had a fantastic season. So I'm going to put him as my eighth spot there. And my argument there would be, I don't think you're going to get three legacy players in a game. You're already going to have Chris Paul. You might have Mike Conley. And I think Conley deserves it more than a guy like DeMar DeRozan. Do you really see coaches putting three players in the, in the All-Star game based on what their careers have been? Yeah, they've just all been so good this year. And all three of them have been the lead ball handler on teams that have, are in the top six in the West right now. We know how brutal the Western Conference is right now. So... I'm excited. I really have no idea what's going to happen with these last three, four spots in the West. Um, I have no idea how it's going to play out. I think it's going to be a lot of guys between five and ten votes, and then all of a sudden you're literally a vote or a tiebreaker difference from being in or being left out, which means it's impossible to predict. So big group of guys, as I said, to the Pelican, to the Sun, to the Jazz, there's probably your 12, and then we'll see what happens with the injury replacement. Um, but that would be my team personally. So the announcement is tomorrow night. That's on TNT, right, McCade? Yep, I believe 5 o'clock Mountain Time. And it's its own presentation. It's not going to be at, like, halftime of a game or anything like that? No, it's basically the pregame, yeah. Okay. So should be right there at 5 o'clock before the game uh, tip off later. Yeah, so check that one out. All-Star Reserves being announced, and uh, we'll see how many guys are going to go to Atlanta with Quinn Snyder and the Jazz coaching staff. Quickly, who were your All-Star picks for the West then? Yeah, let's throw these out there. Thank you. I'm glad I have you on here to help me recap this stuff, McKay. I, I get too excited sometimes. So on the bench, I had as my locks, I got Dame Lillard. I have PG-13 and Rudy Gobert. And then I've got Chris Paul, Zion Williamson, Devin Booker, and Mike Connolly rounding out the Western Conference All-Star Reserves. Okay, and I got Dame, Paul George, Rudy, Anthony Davis, who gets replaced, um, Chris Paul, Zion, Donovan Mitchell, and DeMar DeRozan. So those are my eight. Um, sounds like I'm assuming you had Anthony Davis in as well. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we'll see how it plays out. Three, four spots right in the end. Super tight. Both come in tomorrow night. Should we talk some Lakers, though? Yeah, let's take a quick break, and then we're, we want to come back, and we'll just preview this Jazz-Lakers game on Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to Home Court Press. Welcome back to Home Court Press. McCade Pearson and Brian Priest with you. And we just got done talking about our All-Star Reserves and rounding out the rosters for the All-Star Game in Atlanta. That's going to be March 7th, I believe it is. So now, McCade, let's wrap up our weekly show and talk a little bit of jazz. And we, you and I both put some time in this week trying to get somebody Lakers-related to come in and talk to us and preview this Jazz-Lakers game on Wednesday night. And... We didn't have a whole lot of success, so let's just do it ourselves. What do you say? I'm not a Laker friend, let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) And rightfully so. No, but yeah, so big game against the Lakers. Obviously, you play them three times this year. You need to win two to win the tiebreaker, and it's just good to beat the team you're next to in the standings. So big game. Go start off 1-0 before you go to L.A. twice later in the season. 
it's huge for the Jazz, and as we've discussed previously, probably not as important of a game for the Lakers because they're just not as concerned with getting the one seed as the Jazz are going to be. Lakers come into this game, they've been very good this season. So right now they are first in the league in defensive rating at 105.4. They're 17th, so middle of the pack in offensive rating at 111.6. But with those two combined, it's not Captain Planet style, but it does put them fourth in net rating at plus 6.2. So Lakers have been a top five team all year. They led the Western Conference for a majority of the early season before the Jazz overtook them like two weeks ago. But since the Anthony Davis injury, they've they've looked a lot different. Of course, you know, you lose an all-NBA player, you're not going to be as good. So the Lakers have lost three of their last four. They are playing the Wizards tonight. I would probably expect them to win that game, right? I don't know. The Wizards have awkwardly won four in a row, and Russell Westbrook looks good again, um, which we see in flashes, not for seasons anymore. So keep an eye on that one. I'm assuming the Lakers are going to win, though. We can't give any Russell Westbrook praise on this podcast. I just won't allow it. Hey, I got to give it when he played well for like three games. No. I don't know if he's ever going to play three games well again in his life. Like, No. No, you can't do so it. He's been so hit or miss. You got to give the credit for the 24-hour success that he's had. I'm going to have to beep the whole thing out. Yeah, they're in L.A. The Wizards are on their big road trip right now, huh? So that's out here yeah. on the West Coast. Yeah. I I think the, the, the Lakers should probably win this game. The Wizards aren't a good team. And the Lakers, even without Anthony Davis, still have an awful lot of talent on that team. The losses that they've had, I, I mentioned they losing have lost three out of their last four. None of them are to be ashamed of. They beat the Timberwolves and lost to the Nuggets, Nets, and Heat. So it's not like the sky is falling in Lakerland. They're still playing well. LeBron still hasn't missed a game this season. He's been one of the top three players in the league so far this year, would you say? He's, he's in the MVP consideration. Yeah, he's been awesome. But I do wonder if uh, LeBron does take this game personally as kind of a statement game. And I don't know how the Jazz are going to defend LeBron after they shuttle with Ben Simmons. So I'm excited to see that matchup of how the Jazz defend LeBron. Obviously, you don't have to worry about Anthony Davis, but uh, LeBron's a big question mark for the Jazz right now. I've followed LeBron his entire career. I had a copy of Slam Magazine when he and Sebastian Telfair were on the cover of it in 2001, I think it was. I've watched him from St. Vincent and St. Mary's. Followed him in Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland to L.A. I hate him as a Laker, but I, LeBron James is, I say all that to, LeBron James isn't the type of a guy who is going to take a regular season game before the All-Star break personally, I don't think. He, he's going to go out there and he's going to play his game and uh, he, he's going to do what he does. But I don't think there's going to be any added emphasis just because LeBron recognizes far bigger things for his NBA career and each season rather than a game against the Jazz in February. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll put that one on the shelf. <laughs> and uh, So looking at this Lakers team, not only are they going to be playing without Anthony Davis, it was just announced a couple days ago they're going to be without Dennis Schroeder as well. Schroeder was the, uh, I believe, runner-up for six-man of the year last season to another current Laker, Montrez Harrell. And uh, Schroeder's going to be out due to quarantining for COVID-19. Apparently, he, he tested negative, but he's going to be quarantining for seven days. So that puts him out until Saturday, I believe it is. So that's going to be another big loss for this Lakers team. I mean, they're going to be without two of their top six rotation guys. What kind of an advantage do you think that gives the Jazz? Hopefully a big one because they really need this one. If they can just beat the Hornets tonight um, and then take care of the Lakers on Wednesday, 
I don't really care what happens on the four-game road trip before the All-Star break. Like, you're going in in a great, great position, regardless if you can just pick up these next two wins. So do you would you predict the Jazz to win this game? I do. I think they do win this. Um, I would still predict the Lakers to win the season series 2-1. I'm not sure the Jazz can win in L.A. in the second half of the season, especially if those games really matter in early May or late April. Um, but for this game, not only because of the injuries, but just I think the way the Jazz are rolling right now, and as you mentioned, getting the one seed is a lot more important for the Jazz than it is the Lakers. I think they come out with a fire and a passion to make sure they win this game. Just reiterating, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, so it's actually before the Jazz play the Hornets. But I think the way the Jazz attack tonight's game against the Hornets is going to say a lot about where their focus is in regards to the Lakers game on Wednesday. I think that this is a Jazz team that does a really good job of focusing on the opponent in front of them and doesn't look too far ahead. But if they were going to look ahead, this is the game that can become the trap game. And the Jazz could go out and lose to the Hornets because they're focused on this huge battle on Wednesday night with the Lakers. Is that a concern for you? Yes. Um, I don't think it's possible, and I don't think it's a bad thing to look ahead either. Um, it's a huge game on Wednesday. It's probably worth something around 1.2 or 1.3 games um, instead of just the normal one game. So very, very important. I, I still think the Jazz win tonight, although the Hornets have been solid. Um, they're starting a six-game road trip tonight. But I, I still think the Jets take care of business. I don't really believe in the look-ahead game, but I do think they are looking ahead towards the Lakers. See, and I definitely believe in the look-ahead game. I, I'm all about that trap game type of a situation, but I think that Quinn Snyder is the type of coach that he recognizes that ahead of time. And there are some teams who kind of, you know, put your head down and let's not acknowledge that it's possible. I think Quinn Snyder addresses the elephant in the room, and he he brings it up and he says, Hey, you know what? We do have a big game on Wednesday, but tonight is a bigger game because it's tonight. It's right now. And that's what we need to focus on. Basically, I'm really confident in the Jazz going into this Wednesday night game against the Lakers because of their injury struggles and because of you, know, you talked about LeBron probably taking this game a little bit personally and putting a little bit more emphasis on it. I think the Jazz are going to put all possible emphasis on this game because it really is a statement. It This is the game that shows, hey, not only are we number one in the conference, but we deserve to be here. We earn it. We've beaten everybody below us at this point, if you can beat the Lakers. And if you lose to the Lakers, especially a shorthanded Lakers team, it raises a whole bunch of question marks that the Jazz are already dealing with. And it just it kind of turns up the volume on those questions. That it does. ESPN, 8 o'clock, prime time. So it should be a fun one in front of a national audience. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited to have LeBron back at the Viv. I'm still undecided about whether or not I'm going to go. I've got tickets to it, and I don't know if I'm going to end up selling them or not. I, I'm so torn, McCade. But where can they find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at McCadePH, And you can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter, at BPriest24. But it's a new at BPriest24 because I have, if you listen to our last episode, I actually changed Home Court Press's Twitter to... We, I don't know how I'm trying to explain this. You I got could, you. We got a new, the old Twitter is now a podcast Twitter, and Brian is his own person now, so go follow them both. Very exciting uh, stuff. So you can find at BPriest24 to follow me, and the old Twitter account that used to be for me is now Home Court Presses. So now I can tweet all my political stuff without anybody, without offending anybody on the basketball side. So that's a good thing, right? Always. We like when people <laughs> aren't offended. Uh, all right, McKay, did you have anything else before we wrap this up? 
Take note. Take note. We'll close the podcast today on a jazz rap that was sent to me on Twitter by at ZachTheGreat. So check out Zachary Gavaria. It's at ZachTheGreat. This is a fun little jazz rap that they made, and uh, you can check it out yeah. on YouTube. But give this one a listen. Hey, take a quick look at Snyder. Now take a quick look at Spider. Since so wait, yeah, I've been a rider. Utah Jazz keep getting higher. Damn, all I can say now is whoa. Royce with the D, Royce with the O. One thing Jazz Nation gotta know. Clarkson's nickname is Pick on the road, four more threes from Jiggling Joe. My breath stopped with Donovan gone, but Ingles came out looking like LeBron. Like damn, Conley with the Midas touch, Bogey drops thirty. Yeah, that's clutch. Utah Jazz is doing their thing. My All Star vote hashtag Niang. I do not like the Lakers. I just like D favors. Utah Jazz, they rock my socks. Go bear, I love you and I love all your blogs. Are we surprised? This is a year we collect our prize. 2021 Utah Jazz champs. Heard it here first. Now blast this jam like damn. It's true, Utah Jazz is better than you Tap a tap a keg, cause the Egg Bomb crew just won by 30 What you gonna do like that? It's true, Utah Jazz is better than you Tap a tap a keg, cause the Egg Bomb crew just won by 30 What you gonna do like? It's true, Utah Jazz is better than you Tap a tap a keg, cause the Egg Bomb crew just won by 30 What you gonna do like? It's true, Utah Jazz is better than you Tap a tap a keg, cause the Egg Bomb crew just won by 30 Hold up, hold up Coming wrong strong Darvin, 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 Darvin,